Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm David Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back on pay-per-view this weekend, UFC 291, headlined by Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. We won't even talk about the stakes, but it's headlined by a banger of a fight. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as a couple other the main card fights as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. Plus, as always, we're giving you the interviews you know, know and love. Kicking off the show this week, Dustin Jacoby, who's going to be fighting a little bit later this month. And then later on in the show, we'll be talking to Eli Aronov, who's getting ready for his Contender Series fight. But before we get to any of that great content for you, we do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. Make no mistake, it's no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just don't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, gluten-free and it's got no added sugar game up is for mma maulers urban fitness freaks peak bagging badasses tough mutter mothers beer league brawlers hot yoga hotties high handicap hackers committed cornhole huckers or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it ask for game up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team game up brings you this episode of the top turtle mma podcast and it starts right now the hosts are ready The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. Our interview today is Dustin Jacoby, who fights Kennedy and Chuku at UFC Nashville. That fight is on August 5th. So, Dustin, before we get to talking about the fight with Kennedy, I obviously want to talk about your recent results. You get that tough split decision loss to Khalil Roundtree. A lot of people think you won. Then, obviously, the loss to now number 11, uh, Merzakhanov. How are you dealing with this all mentally? Because you've been on such a crazy good run in you know, now seemingly run into a couple of bad results. What What's it been like back at the gym? Did you feel like you needed big changes, fine-tuning? What, what did it look like going into this camp? No, man, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a roller coaster ride. You know, I've been doing this sport for a long time, 13 years professionally. There's a lot of ups and downs, man. And uh, I just recently made a post, man, you can't be defined by your wins and losses because there's so, so much uh, value in, in both outcomes. And you just got to keep the positive mindset. You got to keep, uh, you know, doing doing your daily routines that make you better. You know, just one percent better every day. Getting to the gym, gym and training, and uh, you know, it hasn't been easy. Of course, after the round three fight, that took a lot out of me, and and uh, it was very upsetting, especially when you know, fifteen of the sixteen uh, guys that covered the fight thought I had won, but. Um, you know, you got, you just got to move on. You can't get caught up in the past. And of course, Azamat was a very uh, tough opponent, man. He was smaller, but he was extremely quick. He, he was probably the fastest guy I ever fought. And, uh, you know, when he dropped me early, I, I was battling from behind the entire time. So 
that made it a little difficult to keep up with them. And I probably should have went to my wrestling a little bit sooner than the third round than when I did. Uh, but all in all, man, things are good. You know, I still have a positive mindset. When you're fighting the best guys in the world, it's hard to come out victorious every single time. Um, and I think Asimov, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he went up to number eight. Oh, that's definitely possible. It, it's possible. He might have been 11 when uh, when the fight happened. But, uh, yeah, no, he's he's definitely a top 10 talent in what we've seen from him. And, and now I got, I got to ask, too, as a, a follow-up here, you know, you mentioned – you got to learn from your losses. You got to take everything as a learning experience. And and you mentioned in there, you know, maybe going to your wrestling a little bit earlier, but were there any other big takeaways from the Azamat fight? I uh, not not too much, man. You know, when he he caught me early in the first round and uh then again, you know, again, uh second round was back and forth, back and forth. And caught me again at the end of the second round, which is pretty much what won the fight for him. I felt like I dominated the third round. So um, it's just he, he was an awkward opponent, man. He was smaller. I remember looking at him at weigh-ins and thinking, man, this guy's really small. There's no way that he can keep up with me. But uh, he was extremely fast. Like I said, I can't say that enough. Probably the fastest guy I've ever fought in, in all my kickboxing and MMA fights. And and uh, he did well, man. Like I said, when you when you get caught early and you're battling from behind, it's hard to play catch up. Um, it was just a tough opponent, man. And and you lived. I, thankfully, I I lived to fight another day, and we got a, a big another tough opponent here, August fifth. Absolutely, and we're, I'm going to talk about that one in a second. But before I do, I wanted to run it back to something else I saw on your Instagram, which was. Uh, I saw you recently competed in a celebrity golf pro-am, a charity one, a charity golf pro-am. And I got to ask, because I know your dog's name is Dak. I know you're a big Cowboys fan. We've talked about it before. You're getting to meet Tony Romo and and do the rounds with Tony Romo. Tell me a little bit about how big that was for you. Oh, it was super cool, man. First off, Tony Romo is a great guy. Of course, I'm a big Cowboys fan. I was a huge supporter of number nine, man. I even brought my jersey and had him sign it for me. We got it. We got to spend some time together. We went to the children's hospital uh, that day before we played the first round, which was super cool too. going to see all the kids and, and just putting a smile on their face and brightening their day a little bit. You know, they're in those, they, they have whatever's wrong going wrong with them, which is bad enough to be stuck in the hospital. And then they're stuck there all day, you know, and, and we're talking about kids. They don't get to go outside and, and have fun and just be a normal kid. So that was really cool to uh, share that time with them. And then it was also cool uh, to share that time with Romo, man, just get to know him a little bit better. I think he's a great guy. I see why he's so good at the broadcasting and commentating. He's just uh, a pretty smart guy, and and uh, it was a blast, man. I told him how big of a fan I was of him, and you know, a lot of people would bash Tony Romo. I always supported him. I had my number nine jersey on every Sunday, and and uh, it was just super cool to meet, you know, a guy like that, a guy I've looked up to, and and keep in mind also. You know, I played quarterback in high school and in college, so I was looking up to guys like Tony Romo, and and uh, I, I understand the position, I understand the game of football, so it was cool to talk that with him a little bit, and and uh, it was just a, an all around great experience. And to to top it off, I played some really good golf in, in that tournament, so I couldn't be happier with the way I played, and the game was clicking right, so I didn't make a fool of myself, and we had a lot of fun. Well, and that was going to be my next question, comparing you and Romo as a golf golf tandem there, because I know he is an incredible golfer. He's a guy who golfs all the time. Uh, yeah. Wh- where, where did you stand up next to him? How did you stack up next to him? 
so I actually, so we were in groups. Uh, we, I had to play with three other guys and he had to play with three other guys, guys that sponsored. So we were actually back to back, but we didn't get to play together, unfortunately. So I didn't really get to see him swing too much. He didn't get to see me swing, but, uh, the, the in between the rounds and after the rounds was, it was a good time. Nice. That's awesome to hear. All right. Let's get back to talking about your fights then. You know, you mentioned, you know, you got another tough opponent here in Kennedy Zuchuku. And before we start breaking him down as your opponent, I-, I wanted to ask about the pressure on you. Because like you said, you're learning from those losses. You're keeping a positive mindset. But at the same time, do you feel pressure mounting up that, that like now is a time where you-, you feel like you really need to pick up a win? You know, I, I really don't. I feel like pressure is something that-, that you feel when you're not prepared. And-, and every time I go into these fights, I'm always prepared. Uh, you know, I, I train accordingly and, and we, we have a great game plan. And as long as I'm prepared, I always expect to win, you know, and I'm, I'm still in the top 15 in the world. Um, it's just, like I said, it's tough fighting these guys at, at the highest level, but I feel really good about this matchup. I feel like I'm going to submit my place in the top 15 and, and uh, I'm going to go out there and be victorious, man. Kennedy's a great opponent. Uh, he's a big, strong guy. He's on the rise. You know, he, he's definitely a guy I see, especially in a division where guys are getting injured and, and, uh, you know, just not if you look at the top 10, there's so many of those guys that are out right now. You know, had I not lost these back-to-back fights, you never know. I could be fighting for a title. They're looking for guys to step up. Jamal Hill just relinquished the belt. Uh, so the opportunity's there, man. And Kennedy's a guy that's going to be there. It's my job to make sure it's not on my, my name. Absolutely. Now, you, you said kind of that he, he's a guy who's looking to make the move up. Do you feel like that that's kind of what the UFC was thinking here in this spot, too? Is that like you needed to be able to defend your ranking now? Is that the way you took this booking with Kennedy? Yeah, I believe so. You know, I did it. I've done it the past few fights. I, the guys, everybody I fought the past couple has have all been ranked below me. And, and uh, I feel like, you know, this guy's on the rise. I'm at number 15 now. Uh, I think maybe I went up with with uh, a couple guys being out, but um, I think that he's a guy that's uh, on the rise, man. I think I'm I'm one of their gatekeepers in the top 15, a guy that, you know, if, if you can beat Jacoby, then you can move to the next level. And if you can't, then you're going to stay where you are. And I feel like that's where I'm at right now. And I got to go out there and get a couple good wins myself and creep into the top 10 and, and make some things happen for myself. For sure. Now let's talk about the the stylistic matchup of this fight. You, you mentioned that Azamat was a lot smaller than you know you were used to fighting or you had seen fighting. Mm-hmm. Kennedy's not going to be that. That's for sure, right? Like he's a guy who's incredibly long. I believe I saw on there that he's going to have a seven inch reach advantage over you, more than a foot difference of a reach from Azamat and some of your other past opponents that you've been fighting. Is there anything you felt like you needed to to particularly do to game plan for somebody who's who's got that kind of length? You know, to be honest, man, I fight much better against bigger guys. I have my whole career. That's why I I, I came into this as a pro, and I, I was fighting at middleweight. And I realized that I'm a better fighter at light heavyweight than I am at middleweight. Guys are always smaller than me at middleweight. I was a really big middleweight, but the guys were quicker. They were faster. They had better cardio. Now at 205. I have the frame to compete with these guys. Nobody's really outmuscled me in there, and I just fight better. I feel like I'm the quicker guy. I feel like I'm, uh, I've got better cardio, and I feel like I attack better against these bigger guys. So I'm going to be honest with you. I love the matchup. Uh, he's got a real wide stance. I'm going to utilize my kickboxing, and uh, I'm going to grind on him a little bit. I'm going to go out there and get that victory. 
All right. Well, you know, this is usually where I ask you for a prediction, so let's get it officially on the record. UFC Nashville, August 5th. How you see this one ending? I definitely see me getting my hands raised, my man. It's uh, It's been a long year. It's been a year, over a year now, since I had my last victory inside the octagon, uh, which is pretty crazy to think of. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to fight with, with all my heart, man, and I'm going to go out there and get my hands raised. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Dustin Jacoby, who fights Kennedy and Zuchuku at UFC Nashville. That fight once again, August 5th. Dustin, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, Dan. Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Dustin Jacoby. I once again am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we do have to briefly talk about UFC London. I just have this very simple question to ask about it. Tom Aspinall goes in there, not only beats the crap out of Marcin Tybura, but does so making Marcin Tybura look silly trying to hit him. Is Tom Aspinall the biggest threat to John Jones in the heavyweight belt? You know, he is. He's a th- he's a very big threat. I have to tell you something. I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's irrational. I still really like Curtis Blades. I would really like to see Curtis Blades and John Jones hook it up. I just think stylistically, I like what Blades brings to the table with the wrestling. But that all being said, if you had to ask me, like, hey, who has the better chance of going in there and knocking out John Jones or finishing John Jones, then I would choose Tom Aspinall. So he's definitely a big threat at heavyweight. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I I think part of me really likes the idea of the weird stylistic matchup of Curtis Blade's really good wrestling and to see if John Jones can defend like a high level wrestler like that. But I think Tom Aspinall is just more complete for me, which is why I think he's a bigger threat. Like you said, if somebody's going to go in there and finish him, it's probably Tom Aspinall or, you know, we're not even mentioning Sergey Pavlovich. Pavlovich probably is up there, too. But Aspinall has that striking. We've actually seen him wrestle guys like Alexander Volkov. So he's got that in his back pocket, too, and, and knows that he can do that. And really, the thing that that stood out to me this past weekend that that really makes me want to see him against John Jones is the speed. You know, like he was dodged. He was getting out of range on Marching Dibera. And not that Marching Dibera is like a fast striker. But he was like six inches away from hitting Tom Aspinall at any point in time, which is wild. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think... I think any of those guys that we mentioned there are right in the mix. I'll tell you who isn't right in the mix of being a threat to John Jones is, is Stipe Miocic, but that's what we're getting next. So hopefully John Jones sticks around for two or three more afterwards so that we can see some of these matchups. Yeah, if there's one thing I know about the UFC, it's that they will always go with the marquee names over someone who's deserving. And if there's one thing I know about John Jones, it's expect the unexpected. So I know he's saying he might retire, but... You never know. For all I know, John Jones has like a debt problem that he's going to need to pay off from legal fees over the past 10 years. So I hope he does stick around and we get some of these fights like against guys like Tom Aspinall or maybe even Curtis Blades. That all being said, Gumby, we got bangers of fights this weekend. Bangers on bangers. It's UFC 291 and we're breaking out our favorite segment on the show. Fights, dogs and parlays. We're going to break down a couple of fights, give you a live dog and a parlay to play. But before we get into it, Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Cut. I'm sure you have the same problem that we do, that it's hard to keep track of all the different bets that you've made against your friends. Who's paid? Who hasn't? What are the terms? Etc. We come across this really cool app. It's called Cut that formalizes the whole process for you so you don't have to check the notes on your phone and scroll endlessly through your group chat to find out the terms. It's essentially a better version of Venmo, but for betting, 
with interactive features that make it more social. It tracks all your bets. It allows you to create your own lines and keep your records against your friends. And perhaps more importantly, it ensures that you're paid when you win. Go check them out at cut.com. That's K-U-T-T. Or on Instagram at cutbet. Once again, that's K-U-T-T. And if you head on over to cut.com, you can also get a free five bucks when you sign up. That's right. They're going to give you free money to gamble and wager with your friends with peer-to-peer directly against somebody else in the cut community. All you got to do is when you sign up, tell them we sent you. Use that promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E. Okay, let's start with the main event. It's for the made-up marketing belt, the BMF belt. Not even going to get into that. Let's just break down the fight. It's Dustin Poirier, a minus-145 favorite to Justin Gaethje, a plus-125 dog. Poirier coming off a win over Michael Chiesa, but he had lost to Charlie Olives before that. Really feels like to me that if Charlie Olives wasn't in existence, this version of Dustin Poirier these last three years, he would be the champion um before falling to islam makachev but that being said it just feels like he was the 1a to charlie olives or he was the 1b to charlie olives 1a these past few years gaichi we all know it exciting fighter he's already lost to poirier before i look at it like poirier is going to be the more uh i guess patient skilled tactician and that's how he won the first fight i expect the same here gaichi at a plus 125 not even really great dog money on him who you got yeah, I'm going with Poye. I-, I can't believe this line is as close as it is. I guess it was, you know, a slobber knocker in the first one. And, you know, anything can happen with Gaethje, which is maybe why he's not a huge dog. But your your point before is 100% right. Poye is the tactician. Poye is the one who's got more skills in there. I, I know people point to Gaethje's wrestling, but like, We've seen him look bad doing jujitsu, right? Like his fight with Charles Oliveira, he got taken down. He looked like he had no idea what to, or uh, not Charles Oliveira, Habib. He looked like he had no idea what to do off of his back. And that's not to say that anybody should pop right up against Habib, but like he just laid there with his like legs flat, like he had no idea what to do. So while I know that he's got more skills than he's used and he's got a better background than what he's used, the bottom line is you have to go hope he goes in there and brawls and that Poye obliges him in that kind of fight and even then it's still a coin flip so like you've got so many things piling up in Poirier's uh side I I mean like he did it once already Uh, I actually think that this winds up being fairly one-sided I'm going with Dustin Poirier here yeah I I agree with you completely it's like uh, you know the safe money your best your best bet is on Poirier, uh, but you're not even getting good dog money on Gaethje yeah I don't even like if this was plus 200 on Gaethje yeah, sign me up. I'll take Justin Gaethje at plus 200. But, like, this is almost even money on Poye, who already beat him once. Exactly. All right, we'll move then uh, to a fight that has... Actually, have they... Breaking news. Have they called this an interim, or is this a non-nothing fight? It's a number one contenders fight. Is it that lo- correct? It looks like it's the uh, Yuri Prohoshka sweepstakes fight. That's, what, uh, that's, what, that's what I thought. It, and, like, there were rumors, and there was a social media post that seemed to hint that it was, but it doesn't look like anything was ever made official, at least at this point. And, hey, it's we're recording this on Monday, so if it hasn't happened yet, I don't expect it to. Okay, so that being said, who we're talking about, spoiler alert, Jan Blankovic, the former 205 champ, is a minus 125 favorite to Alex Pereira, the former 185-pound champ, coming up to 205 for the first time. He finds himself actually also betting off at a minus 105, so less of a favorite, I guess you could say, uh, and I guess better odds, so to speak. Very close fight here. 
We assume the winner will get Yuri for the real title. That whole thing has been a mess. But again, we're not here to talk about the UFC's marketing of uh, belts and how they've handled interims and all that. We're here to break down the fight. Who you got? I'm actually going to go with Pajeda. Um, I, I think when this fight was announced, I was all over Jan Blankovic. I'm like, ah, I'll wrestle him up or whatever. I, I'm really worried about the distance of Pajeda against Jan Blankovic. Like, when you think about what Jan Blankovic is good at, yeah, he did get in on Izzy Adesanya's legs in that fight, but not until Izzy was, like, tired, right? Um, You know, like, the early rounds seemed to lean towards Izzy a little bit, or at least that's the way I remember it. And, and when you look at some of the things that have gone badly for Jan, it's you know, like at times striking from distance cost him. And I'm not talking about recently, but I mean, that's why he lost to Tiago Santos all that time ago. That's why Alexander Gustafson, well, Alexander Gustafson actually wrestled him a little bit too. That's why those kind of guys beat him. And, and like he, he kicked the legs of Magomed Ankalev and, and brought that to a draw. But literally the only reason that fight was close was because he was able to work leg kicks on Magomed Ankalev. And like, look, that's not a game plan that's going to work against Alex Pajeda. Alex Pajeda is going to hurt you. And I think that's the biggest piece for me. I think Jan Blankovic is hittable. And I think Pajeda puts people away when he hits them. So uh, as long as Blankovic doesn't get in on those legs early, yeah, it's Pajeda all day for me. Uh, I, I kind of expected him to be a bigger favorite. Like I, I thought Pajeda's recent work against Izzy Adesanya was going to put him in the big favorite side, but seeing a little bit better odds on him and, and moving towards that plus money, kind of surprising for me. Yeah, I feel like people, or betters at least, might think about Izzy coming up to 205 and what Jan was able to do against him in rounds four and five and wrestle him down. And I don't think Pajeda is even as good a grappler as Izzy is. I mean, they're still but he's their huge. Own he's, he's so huge. big. <laughs> Yes. Um, so that being said, I think that's why the odds are, are there. But I'm with you on that. I actually like the Pajeda call here. I think he's a better striker. I think he could get to Jan. So I like Pajeda here. Uh, Kevin Holland, a minus 150. Michael Chiesa, a plus 130. Uh, two, you know, perennial kind of in the mix guys, but probably never going to be future champion guys. Who you got here? I'll go with Michael Chiesa. Plus 130 on Michael Chiesa seems kind of like a crime to me here because what what is Kevin Holland bad at? Grappling. He's bad at grappling, you know, and that's what we've always known he's been bad at. You look at any of his wins, he got good stuff going on the feet. You look at any of his losses, he got worked on the mat. Michael Chiesa's a great wrestler. Like, he he's low-key a phenomenal wrestler. He stuffed a bunch of takedowns from Sean Brady. He got his hands going in that fight, and I don't think he's going to get his hands going necessarily against uh, Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is a good striker, but, like, he's going to get him going enough that he's going to mask the takedown. And, and look, he's got tons of finishes by rear naked choke. He's got tons of finishes on the mat. I think he gets another one here. I think Michael Chiesa, and if you wanted to make those odds a little sweeter, find the line on Michael Chiesa by submission, because I think it's coming. Our dog of the week is Priscilla Cachoeira, a plus 260 facing Miranda Maverick. Let's hear it. Yeah, I, I like the big dog here in Priscilla Cachoeira. Half of this is a fade of Miranda Maverick. While I really did like her as a prospect, it's becoming apparent that it's really hard for her to get women flyweights down. Uh, she had a really hard time getting Jasmine Jasnudovicius down. And to me, that's her whole game, right? She's not much of a striker. So if she's having trouble getting people down. I have a tough time imagining her path to victory. Now, Priscilla Cachueta, 
clear striker, somebody who has been taken down in the past, but has really shored up that defense in her last few fights. And I think she's going to be an infinitely better striker than Miranda Maverick here. I think you're going to see her let her hands go a lot more. There is always the problem. It's will Priscilla Cachoeira make weight? Will she come in weirdly out of shape or things like that? But at plus 260, I think it's a stab worth taking. Our parlay to play is the aforementioned Dustin Poirier and Gab- and then pair them together with Gabrielle Bonfim at minus 315. It gets you plus 123 odds. Break it down. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I think the Poirier line is messed up. He, he should be a much larger favorite against Gaethje here because I think he wins in a slugfest, a coin flip. And then I think there's seven other ways he could win. So again, negative 145, great parlay piece. And I'm going to put him with Gabriel Bonfim. He's a large favorite at negative 315. But look, we saw all of the things he could do on Contender Series and in his debut. He's absolutely electric on the feet. He's got great submission skills. He's one of the better prospects out of Brazil right now. And they set him up at a good fight with Trevin Giles, a guy who will oblige him in a striking match and probably won't threaten him too much with his wrestling and his takedowns. So I really think that they're just building bone theme in just the perfect way. So to put those two together, who I both feel pretty safe on and get plus 123, I think it's a slam dunk. Boom. Well, we hope you enjoyed that edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Gumby, we're having a party here. What should we do next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Ellie Aronoff, who fights at Dana White's Contender Series a little bit later on. And we're going to get to that interview for you. Right now. All right, and joining me today is Ellie Aronoff, who fights Zachary Reese at Dana White's Contender Series Week 3. That fight is on August 22nd. So, Ellie, I wanted to start here. You, you get the call to fight on the Contender Series. It's a monumental moment for every fighter who gets that call. How'd you find out? What was your reaction like when you found out you were going to get the chance? Oh, so of course my reaction was like, I just had a big, big smile on my face. Of course, this is a dream come true to fight there and to to win also soon to win my contract at the UFC. That's a lifetime work that comes into one day. Uh, and yeah, that was just a big, big, uh, full of emotions, of course, like happy for this moment and for this, this opportunity and everything with what comes with it uh yeah that's that's just i can't wait to date it will be 22 august absolutely now i have to ask were you expecting the call because on one hand you know you've got a great record you're six and zero. you picked up a big win for unified mma but uh, you know obviously you've been away too so were you expecting that the the ufc was going to come calling next yeah we've been expected because Mike Maniard, the matchmaker of the UFC, already knew my name. And because my last win was a big one, I, I tried to, I had like five fights get canceled. I tried to fight. Meanwhile, uh, and then I had a fight booked in May 13. And in the preparation for the fight, they called me and they told me, like, you're, you're heading to Dana White Contender Series. Yeah, we've been, we've been, I, I knew, I knew I'm, I'm on their call list. So it, it was just a matter of time. Of course, I tried to fight before to get more experience, but everything comes in, in his time. And I think it's the best time is now. Absolutely. And, and I, yeah, I know you were booked for a bunch of other fights. That Cage Warriors one that obviously you had to back out of. I saw that you were booked for a fight for Brave. You know, you said you were booked for five different ones. Did it get 
frustrating with all of them getting canceled? It, what was it all of your opponents, or was was some of it your own health as well? So they got canceled for a few reasons. Most of them because of the, my opponents declined or didn't want to fight or pulled out. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit frustrated because I wanted to get another fight before the Dana White Contender Series just to get more, you know, cage time and experience. But I think everything happened for a reason, and if it is God, God's plan, so I, it's God's plan, you know. Uh, it canceled one because uh, also my one injury I had, I broke my hand in one of the preparations to the fight. So yeah, that's just the fight game, but you know, everything happens in in the best time, and everything happens for a reason. And Gunn wants me to fight just 22 August on the Dana White Contender Series, so be it. We will take the the opportunity with both hands, and there's no way this contract escapes me 22 August. I love that mentality. Now, I was also looking on your Instagram a little bit, and I saw... I saw some training going on at Extreme Couture. You know, I, I saw you, you know, rubbing elbows with Francis Ngannou and Dewey Cooper and guys like that. Is that been a move for you? Are you now working at Extreme Couture? Or was that more just like, you know, while I'm in Vegas taking pictures for Contender Series, this is something I could do too? No, no, I definitely, I moved, I moved in my life right now to Vegas just because here you have the best preparation, the best, like, training in in coaches best coaches best everything so i decided to make the move to las vegas i'm training out of uh, bkmma d cooper and of course also in extreme couture uh yeah i'm training in those two places i do my striking with d cooper uh, which is he is my head coach in black cobra and we've been working hard very hard and of course, I, I will go to extreme to spar. I will uh, spar all the best guys. I have. I think Extreme Couture has the best middleweight room in the world, including Roman Dolize, Chris Curtis, Sean Strickland, and Brett Tavares. All these very known and, of course, very 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 good fighters. And yeah, I just I, I did the move because I want to be the best. And if I want to be the best, I need to train with the best and to train with the best coaches. So that's the, my decision to make the move. Because of that, I decided. And yeah, I'm training out of two places, and that's BKMMA with Dewey Cooper and Extreme Couture. Yeah, I love that. Now, how long ago did you make that move? Did you make that decision? I made the decision start of the year. I came to Vegas in uh, January, and since since then I'm here in Vegas. Uh, of course, I had all the the fights supposed to happen, but they got canceled. But I'm I was here the whole time, training, preparing, preparing for fights, doing my best to you know to get my skills better and take my game to the next level. And, yeah, you will see all this hard work and preparation uh, 22 August. I'm looking forward to seeing that eight months of hard work in Vegas. Now, I also got to ask, too, you mentioned about Extreme Couture having one of the best middleweight rooms in the world. What has it been like for you to be around those guys who who you've maybe seen on TV and, and been, you know, like you said, at the top of the middleweight division for a while? It's It's been a blessing, of course. 
I'm so grateful and thankful for the opportunity, you know. Uh, training with literally the best guys in the world in my weight class. And you have a lot of fighters over there in the UFC fighters and all, all other leagues. I have topest level in the world, you know. It's just a very, very learning experience and just a good measure of where I stand. And, you know, it gives you a lot of confidence training with those guys. And it's a blessing, of course. It's very important. It's it's a huge boost for the confidence. And, yeah, it, it benefits me a lot, I think, to train with the best in the world. Well, that's great to hear. Now, I, I got to ask you about your opponent. So you get this opponent, Zachary Reese. Had you heard much about him before they gave you that name? Or was, you know, when, when they give you the name, they tell you you're going to be on the contention series? Obviously, the answer is yes, but then you have to go to work looking him up? Yeah, I, I never heard about him before the the fight got, like, uh, offered, before the fight got, before I get the call. But yeah, after I got the call, um, I looked at, about him a little bit, me and my coaches, of course. But for me, it's, I always try to focus on myself. The focus is always on myself. I'm, I will be better fighter than him. And as long as I'm in the right mindset, nothing can no one beat me in this cage. So I'm, I will be there. I will be in the, my best shape, best mindset. And I will beat the career race. He He's not going to stop me from achieving my dream to get inside the UFC. And uh, after that, we'll do our best to climbing slowly but surely up the rankings toward my dream to become a UFC champion. I love it. Now, I wanted to ask, too, because Zachary Reese has got a lot in common with your last opponent, Matthew Shashevitz. Like, he's six foot three. He's a really tall guy. You're, you're used to being probably the shorter of the guy most of the time. It is, is it kind of comforting to know that he's got, you know, sort of the same build as the guy who you just fought? Yeah, I would say it's like he's, he's also a softball as my last opponent. I'm doing good against softball. Um, yeah, I would say just for me, it's not big. It's not like I don't look the size doesn't matter for me, you know. For me, it's not about the size. Fighting is not about the size. It's, you know, how they say, it's not about the size of the dog, it's about the size of the dog inside. I, I hope I said it correct. And my dog, my dog inside is, is much, much bigger. And I want it so bad. I sacrificed a lot of stuff in my life, in everything. I'm living alone for eight months in Vegas. No family, no, my girlfriend is back home. I do everything I can for this, you know. So nothing can stop me in in, in my my way to to become a UFC champion, to become a UFC fighter. And yeah, unfortunately, the career race will stand in front of me in this cage. Yeah, but we will we will collapse. the The wheel will collapse. It will be a wheel collapsing and. My will is stronger, and I will be the the victorious. I will be the winner of that fight, and I will get my contract. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get your official prediction for how you think the fight's gonna go in a second. But I did want to ask you about what you just said there. You you left a lot of family at home, including your girlfriend. I I imagine that's very hard. Do you have plans to to go back home after uh, after this fight? 
Yeah, I'm planning to go back home. I've been, I'm going, I do my best to go home every few months as I can. Because I think home is my, my, my power, first of all. I I love my country and I love, of course, my family and my girlfriend so bad. This is my power, you know, to 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 spend time with my family and my girlfriend at my country. This, this is my power. So, yeah, I make sure I go visit them every once in a while to recharge, you know, to get my my motivation going on. And, yeah, just everything. My whole life is there, you know. I just I, I do the sacrifice I need to be the best. And after my fight, yeah, I'm going to visit my family, my girlfriend, of course. Well, that's great to hear. Now, like I said, I always like to end these with a prediction. So how's this one end? What do you think the fight's going to end like on August 22nd? It's going to end up in finish. I'm not going to tell you when and where and what we're preparing for for the career race, but it's going to end up in finish. I'm going to finish this guy because I know just to win, not enough, you know? Just to win, it's not enough. It's the Dana White Container Series. Then I want to see a finish, and we're going to deliver that. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this has been Ellie Aronov, who fights Zachary Reese at Dana White's Contender Series. That's week three, August 22nd. Ellie, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Heart Hydration and Cut. Make sure to use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, for five free bucks over on cut.com. Now, also remember to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Dana Gibby-Vreeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.